2: Good afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. Thanks for being with us, Richard Cross, Michael Borkey in his Pelicans gear today, Brian Haydad in his Meat Church gear today. Great to be with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. You can visit them online at pearlriverresort.com or visit them in person right there at the Golden Moon. You can be a part of the conversation. We'd love for you to be on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get Gigabit Fiber Internet from Seaspire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do, right here in C Spire country. Again, 601-879-4395. You can also hit us up on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. That is where... Michael Borky goes to make friends and influence people, as is evidenced <laughs> by the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed. He uh, he is yeah okay beloved 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 yeah. Michael Borky. I,
3: I'm I'm going to choose to continue to support and hope Southern Miss wins every single game they play because that would be awesome. I love their head coach. I think he's going to be great. Basketball, by the way, so far for Southern Miss. They went to Vanderbilt and won, by the way, uh, yeah. to the top. What a win that was. I'm going to continue to hope uh, nothing but great success for the good people at Southern Miss because they deserve it. Despite what some of their fans say to me and to us on Twitter, I'm not going to let that cloud my desire for them to win and continue to win, especially in basketball because, again, basketball Undefeated and they beat Vanderbilt there in Nashville.
2: So yeah, it's, I'm sorry, I gotta correct something. It's not us. It's you two. I'm I'm good for now. Yeah, you're you're good for now, uh, apparently. So I, mean, I guess I, they could change, but uh
4: it's,
3: yeah.
2: it's not gonna cloud
4: anything. It could change at, all. at any moment. I don't care. To the top. Get in line. Get in line, haters. Get in line. USM fans are so far behind the Ole Miss fans and the Mississippi State fans in the hating hate ad sweepstakes. You'll never catch up. I I don't have time to get to you. Maybe next year. Yeah, that was that
2: was great for Southern Miss basketball. Sixty to forty-eight on the road against Vanderbilt. That's a good Off win. Three and zero start with wins over William Carey, Vandy, and Loyola of Louisiana. Yeah. Up next, road trip to Liberty for Southern Miss football. I'm sorry, for Southern Miss That's Basketball. Right. I was thinking about the fact that they opened yeah. the season with Liberty, and man, could have had that one also. Um, we got Hoops tonight in Oxford. Mississippi State playing tonight. Now, they, they had the quick turnaround, no. right? So they played Friday right. and then played on Sunday. And right, they play again on Thursday. Off to a 3-0 start as well. Correct. Um, what are your favorite people on the C Spire text line? Hey, Ed, Bo in Indianola. Here we go. You guys are tight. He says, "Hey, Dad, for AD." <laughs> is
4: that what he says? I don't. I don't want to be athletic director at Mississippi State. I do. Hire me, please. Wait.
3: Well, what is the salary requirements? I'll, I'll, yes, I'll, hire me, please. I'll, I'll
4: endorse you for that job.
2: Why, why do you yeah, not you want have that my job, Brian? Hey, Dad.
4: Because I don't have the patience for it. Hmm? I, I know my limitations. I don't have the patience for it. What What would coaches be- would not want to work for me?
2: What what part of the job would would drive you to insanity? The
4: watching football games and seeing stupid things happen week after week thing, and be like, "Why can't you fix this?" And when I get some BS answer, I'd be like, "You know what? Not good enough. Get out." Mm. I, I would I would be drowning in buyout debt. <laughs> <laughs> Too much European I, I soccer in you.
3: Just firing coaches I, I, left i I'm, right.
4: I'd be like Roman Abramovich. you be like, you know what? It's just not working out. I'm only coached two games. It's just not working out.
3: Oh, boy. The juiciest. I saw the juiciest head coach rumor earlier today, by the way. And no, it has nothing to They're do juice with, coach? with Lane Kiffin and Auburn, which, by the way, people are starting to get really stupid when it comes to that, but doesn't matter. Um,
2: hey, by the way, I'm ready to throw out a big name on that. But I'll wait. Go ahead. Um, Mike Tomlin to the Saints. There was a report earlier. Well, as long as you don't mention Mike Tomlin to another college job, maybe you got a chance. No, not going to do that. Because there was a report out there that that
3: Mike Tomlin is anticipating fielding calls from jobs that are soon to come open in the NFL, and he would listen. Ready to move on from the Steelers. Um, Mickey Loomis, Gail Benson. Call him, please. 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 If Mike Tomlin is looking for a fresh start, give him one. Please. Anyway.
2: Is that that an implication? Is that a, a scenario where if they could get Mike Tomlin, they go and get him? Or Saints are moving on from Dennis Allen after one year, regardless? If it continues to, if there is not
3: marked improvement, they need to go ahead. This is the NFL. It's not program building. You had a roster that was ready to win. You didn't win. Sorry. <laughs> it it doesn't work that way in that league. So, yeah. Um, I, I, when I saw that, I, I was so excited at the possibility of Mike Tomlin being the coach of the Saints. I am renewed in my fandom. I am not going not to happened. to want to run into a did wall I, before kickoff I this I fired Sunday.
4: i after one year. Just stop. I bet they Just do. Stop. He's going to get more than me. Well, We'll see. I doubt it.
2: They might make a change, but it's probably not Mike Tomlin. Apparently he is open to listening. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. We will uh, see where that it goes. Um, all right. So we were in October last year, and LSU had fired Ed Ogeron. And it would not be fair to classify what I said as a prediction. I did not necessarily predict that Brian Kelly was going to be the head coach, but I did say something along the lines of, if I were in Scott Woodward's shoes, I would go hire Brian Kelly to be the next head coach at LSU. And Michael Borkey, somewhere along the way, dug up a text message that I had sent, I think, maybe to the to the group, to the, to the two of you as we were talking about it, and saying, hey, this might be the direction that I would go, and he tweeted that out somewhere along the way. I am ready to do that for Auburn. This is not a prediction of who Auburn is going to hire, although I might claim it is if it turns out to be the case. Um, It is more a, if I were in John Cohen's shoes, this is what I would do. Now, this is predicated on Auburn doesn't figure out a way to get it done with with Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin says no to Auburn, whatever, that, that Lane Kiffin is not the next head coach at Auburn. Because basically every report that is out there, whether it is from the Auburn side or the Ole Miss side or national people, everybody is saying that Lane Kiffin is target number one for Auburn. As an aside, it seems rare in these high-profile college football hirings that target number one ends up being the head coach. Not not never, but rare. Right? There were two or three names on Mike Phone's list at Southern Cal, but Lincoln Riley was the target from the get-go, and they got Lincoln Riley at Southern Cal. I don't know that Brian Kelly was the first target at LSU. Don't really have a peek into Scott Woodward's mind. That, that, I think Lincoln Riley was. I would believe that too. But that search was very much people were just kind of guessing the entire yeah. time. Um, we know that Mike Leach wasn't target number one at Mississippi State. I think when Ole Miss find, I, I think Ole Miss vetted things and tried to figure out which direction they wanted to go, and then Lane Kiffin became target one, and ultimately they got that deal done. But there were other names, certainly, that were involved with it. If I were John Cohen and it's not Lane Kiffin, I would go hire Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. He is steady. He is proven. He has a really solid but aggressive defense on a year-in, year-out basis. He has not been overly reliant on the transfer portal. But they've picked up some significant pieces. He is not a guy that is prone to just jump from one job to the next, as evidenced by the fact that he has stayed put at Cincinnati with a number of overtures over recent years. And he has proven that he's a winner. And he's also had experience at a big, 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 big big-time program, the biggest time of programs at Ohio State. One year as an interim head coach, but also as a coordinator, been part of national championship staffs under Urban Meyer. Luke Fickle is the route that I would go if I were John Cohen, if there was any convincing that could be done. Five million is what he makes. I
3: think even if he's waiting for Ohio State, first of all, you never know when that
2: job's going to come open. Yeah. And I think he can do better than that. And certainly, five million is not an obstacle for Auburn. Doubling that is maybe not an obstacle for Auburn. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We'll be right back.
0: Talk Mississippi. Here we we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Let's talk Mississippi, streaming at Supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Let's just sample the ceasefire text line for a moment, and then we will uh, well, we didn't talk at all yesterday about what happened in the rest of the SEC. And there was some, some fascinating stuff this past weekend. At um let's see, Hunter in Columbus. At first, I was like, there's no chance Kiffin is going to Auburn. The longer this drags out, the more it feels like he might. Kiffin would be in playoff within three years at Auburn, I think. If he does leave, who could Ole Miss get fickle maybe there makes sense, too. Uh, I actually have a couple of questions along these lines. The whole the longer it drags out thing. Is it even dragging out right now? Auburn has had an athletic the season is still for a going week and on, half, and the season has two games left in the. Reg- I mean, like if the Egg Bowl ends on Thursday night, and then the rumor mill gets really ramped up, and then it does that for like six days. Okay, now That's you're in dragging the, it's dragging out. But yeah. but I don't know when you go Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi State over the course of. 12 days, and there's some question about whether or not the head coach at one school is going to be the head coach at another school. I don't know if I would qualify that as dragging out. No. Uh, number two, Kiffin would be in playoff within three years at Auburn, I think. Okay. Tell me if you're talking about the 14 playoff or the 12 team playoff. I mean, the three year window gets you to the 12 team playoff. You've got this year and next year of a four-team playoff, and then the 12-team playoff is the year following. So my question for you, Hunter, is would Lane Kiffin get Ole Miss or Auburn to the playoff faster? Staying put at Auburn with a 12-team playoff two years away, I'm sorry, staying put at Ole Miss with a 12-team playoff two years away, or going to Auburn and trying to build a roster that can compete to potentially be in the playoff in three years, to use your words. it would be the final year of the four-team and then the first two years of the 12-team. I'm not going to argue jobs are
3: better than others because it's subjective. And I had Auburn people in my mentions today talking about, well, we have the best facilities in the country. Well, now it's time to stop having this conversation because you're not serious. That's not a serious thought, and nobody cares. They're all about comparable. That's my line of thinking with the SEC too. Is yes, Alabama's on a pedestal on their own. LSU, Georgia are also up on that pedestal by sheer money alone. A and M is above others, but if it's so darn easy, like people keep saying, to get players at Auburn, why don't they? If it's so easy to win at, at these places in the SEC, then why don't they? Oh, it's it's easier to win at Tennessee. Well then but I'm talking about consistently. If if it's so easy, then why do they have down years? Why are they firing coaches? Why are they having losing seasons? Why is all this happening if it's so darn easy to do it there? Because maybe if the gaps exist, They're small, and I would apply this the the same thing to Mississippi State as well. I'm talking about both teams in this state compared to most of their SEC counterparts. I saw somebody argue last night that South Carolina was a demonstratively better job than Ole Miss. No, it's not. It's somebody that covers Auburn that said that. No, it's not. Why why do you think that? Because of all the winning they've done lately? Because all the great players they've signed lately?
2: What are you talking about? Never mind demonstrably, it's not a better job than Ole Miss. And again, subjectivity, okay. Sure. I I lived in the state. I don't
3: think it is. I live in this one. I've lived in that one. But when you drop down from that elite tier, they are all close to being the same because they've all had really good years. They've all gotten really good players, and they've all had really bad years, and they've had bad teams and bad coaches. Again, I say, if it was so darn easy to win at Auburn, why could an objectively good football coach and Brian Harsin not succeed there? Look at what Gus is doing at UCF. Gus Malzahn is a good, objectively good football coach. Really good football coach. Couldn't get it done there. Why?
2: I thought it was easy. Might not be. We get a steady beating of the drum on this message of Ole Miss should have kicked the field goal on the first drive and then the last drive they could could have kicked a field goal and then maybe won in overtime. Here's the the problem with, like, like on the surface level, I get it, right? You know, you, you needed three, if you kick a field goal and you get three points at the beginning of the game and you only need three points at the end of the game, then you kick a field goal, get those three points at the end of the game, and you keep playing into overtime. Yes, that, that adds up. Here's what doesn't add up. How does the game change? Right? How, how does the game play out differently based on one play happening differently? And you can do that with about, what, 12 or 15 plays over the course of that game? But specifically, if you kick a field goal, what happens when you kick off? Because what happened in the game was Ole Miss kicked a field goal. Auburn was, or Alabama was pinned deep. They drive out. They kick it back to Ole Miss, Ole Miss punts it back to them, Ole Miss gets it back, and then they drive down and score. What happens if you kick a field goal and then you have a kick that goes out of bounds and they start at the 35? What happens if you kick a field goal and you hit a good one to the one-yard line and gets returned for a touchdown? I mean, you, you, you just can't say automatically, well, if you kick a field goal at the beginning, you've only got to get three points at the end. It It, it doesn't work that way. In the same way that you can't know if some of the calls that went against Ole Miss had been called differently, what Ole Miss would have done moving forward. In the same way that you can't say if Ole Miss hadn't gotten that favorable spot on the third down run by Jackson Dart where they gave him a yard and gave him the first down, what might have happened on fourth down? If Ole Miss had punted it away, or if Ole Miss had decided to go for it, had not converted there, and Alabama got the ball in the short field. See, that, that that's the thing. You, you can't just, well, if you change this, then this would have been the outcome. Because the game still has to unfold. Hunter's last question, and this feels like really putting the cart before the horse, right? If he does leave, who could Ole Miss get? Hmm. I don't know.
4: I don't know. I don't like. I don't like fickle at Ole Miss, and I really don't like him at Auburn either. Because I feel like, never mind Ohio State. If a Big Ten, a big Big Ten job, if Penn State were to come open, if Michigan State were to come open, he would be the top candidate and would be likely to want to go back to the North. Maybe even from Auburn. I mean, State? I don't think Michigan State's a better. I don't think Michigan State's a better job than Auburn. But there's, I think he's just more comfortable in the Big Ten.
3: I think he'd win. I think you would have a similar effect uh, that Brian Kelly's had on LSU. Brian Kelly I'll, had never coached I'll, south of the Mason-Dixon line.
4: Never. You're not wrong. I think Brian Kelly's a much better coach. The, the other thing is that I think is that if Michigan beats Ohio State this year, Ryan Day is on a hot seat up there. They're they they they're not satisfied just finishing second in the Big Ten. Mm. In the Big Ten East, I'm sorry. They're not even winning the division. Mmm. So, Wouldn't I mean, and Fickle would, would, yeah,
2: because Harbaugh was very much on the hot seat at Michigan to the point where he took a massive yeah. salary cut, and then they've gotten yeah. it together. Borky mentioned to me just a second ago. I saw this and, and I didn't know the name. So, Charlotte is in the process of announcing its new head football coach, and Borky, his name is Biff, Biff Poggy, Biff. Biff Biff, Biff Hodge Hodge. is going to be the There's new enough red football Biffs coach. not Biffs out there anymore. At Charlotte, he's a former high school coach, a lot of success there that Michigan brought in, and one story that I read said he is credited internally with the 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 incredible turnaround that Michigan has had over the last couple of years. You guys noticed how Jim Harbaugh's chilled out? Like he's not climbing yeah. trees and spending the night with recruits anymore. He's not running around at football yeah. camps with his shirt off. It's like he just got back yeah. to being a football coach instead of a freak show.
3: It's working. Yeah, it's working. It is working.
2: But
4: but if if Ryan Day doesn't, if they don't beat Michigan this year, by next year he could be on the hot seat. And Fickle is one A. There is no one B of who they would want to go after. And he would and he would take it. He could be coaching
3: anywhere else in the country. If Ohio State calls him, he's going to Ohio State. What What makes the the scenario, which as you mentioned, getting cart before the horse. I mean, a guy's got to leave for a job to be open. But but if Ole Miss is truly going to offer Lane Kiffin eight figures, get into the ten million dollar range, make him a top five paid head coach in college football. The candidate pool is not what people think it would be for Ole Miss. It would be better. When you're paying that much money, it makes a candidate pool stronger than people would give the school credit for.
2: John Cooper had trouble with Michigan, and they fired him Mm. ultimately because of that. But...
0: He was there 12 years, also. Now more sports talk, Mississippi. Let's hey, go talk. Sports talk, Mississippi. Well, say something. Super talk, Mississippi.
2: Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. We will hear from Lane Kiffin his Monday press conference yesterday. And, uh, Mike Le- by the way, has Mike Leach made it to the press conference yet?
4: As far as I know, he's, he's, he's come and gone, yes. Okay, so he, uh what
2: was it, four, 45 <laughs> minutes, an hour, something like that?
4: He was late. Hmm. Did any Long reporters time. just leave? Long way. I was told one left and came back. He had time to do that. Had somewhere he had to be, took care of his business, came back. Wow. Well,
2: good Good to know. Um. So we'll uh, We'll get to that coming up a little bit later this afternoon. We'll play it for you on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team Mississippi Farm Bureau. We got a question a bit ago if we had uh, announced the winners from the Polk's Pick 6 from this past weekend. We have not yet. We will do that a little bit later uh, with you this afternoon. So the first game involving us, there were a bunch of 11 o'clock games this past weekend. LSU and Arkansas. Talked all week about fishy line, fishy line, fishy line. Three point game. It actually moved to three and a half and then four. If you got it early in the week at three, you got the push. If you laid three and a half or four with Arkansas or with LSU, you were a loser. If you decided to take the points because you believed it was fishy and you got it at three and a half or four and yet Arkansas, you were a winner. So kind of all over the board there with that, but it was a low scoring game. There was something that, that really jumped out to me. I don't know if you guys saw it or not. Arkansas looked defen- uh, different defensively than they have looked at any point this season against anybody. Back into the secondary was not; is it, it, still not good, and they, they disguised it, covered it better than they have maybe at any point this year, because they just blitzed the heck out of LSU and Jaden Daniels. And Daniels did not handle it well. I was yeah. surprised that LSU didn't take more shots down the field. But it was like Daniels just didn't have time to really work through that. And the uh, the, the the Arizona boy turned Louisiana boy did not look like he was super fired up about being in that 28-degree weather in Fayetteville.
4: I mean, shouldn't isn't that what you should do defensively? If 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 you sit down and you're like, we can't cover, well then just blitz, blitz every play. You you can't cover either way. You might as well put uh, pressure on them. So that's a good job by Barry Odom of adjusting and just sort of saying, all right, this is our weakness. So let's we got to do something different. We can't just sit there and play coverage.
2: Good so, job. So, let, let let's spin that forward just for a second, let's spin it forward a week, and let's say Arkansas recognizes that they still have the same issues in the secondary, and so they're like, we're going after Ole Miss. Does blitzing put them in a precarious position with the explosive ability that Ole Miss has in its run, run game? Yeah.
3: If you run yourself out yes. of responsibilities and Judkins makes yeah. one cut. I'm...
4: You got you got more on your plate with Ole Miss and the way they like to run the football, no question.
3: And it, what's interesting though, you you said it, LSU was sleepy. You could tell from the first snap they were not locked in and engaged. You could tell, even Brian Kelly at halftime, you could tell he was like, "All right, we okay, okay we're we're awake now. Let's go play football." And they still never really recovered. That's something that Ole Miss is going to have to fight against. Have you seen the weather prediction for Saturday in Fayetteville? Yes. What, the high is forty three and the low is eighteen, and that game kicks off after the sun sets. Which, by the way, is
2: a significant improvement from Friday, where the high is thirty three.
3: Yeah, the high is thirty three on Friday, so it's going to be nice and toasty on Saturday, uh, by contrast. But and they just they're coming off of a devastating loss. Every you'll, you'll hear Kiffin in a second. Every player interviewed the same. They're devastated. They felt like they had Alabama beat and just couldn't do it. They they thought that, I'd be willing to bet if you asked them, they thought they were the better team. Should have won. Didn't do enough. So you've got to get whatever, get that out of your mind, and then go play a team that's not Alabama. After your chance at the West is gone. After your chance at an outside shot at the playoff. All that's gone. and You've got to reset. And you've got to go to Fayetteville when it's going to be 28 degrees at kickoff and be juiced up and ready to play. That's, that's a mental thing that they've got to overcome in this game because LSU, it almost bit them. It, it almost did. And and if you're an LSU fan, thank God for Harold Perkins because he won that game by himself.
2: Flu game, no less. He's unbelievable. Yeah.
3: So I, I think it was Peter Burns. was getting kind of roasted because he, he – I, th- I think it was Burns that said Harold Perkins should go to New York for the Heisman ceremony. Uh. The award is most outstanding player in college football. Can you find five players that are more outstanding when they play than Harold Perkins?
4: You know, linebackers and running backs don't get a lot of love in the NFL draft anymore, but in two years, Perkins and Judkins are first-rounders, and they're both freshmen this year in the SEC. Crazy, crazy talent in the SEC, as always.
2: Yeah. Yeah. High of 42 with winds out of the west at 10 to 15 miles an hour. Saturday night, low of 19. There's only a 4% chance of snow, so that's good. Um, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> winds are light and variable. So wind will not be a factor on Saturday night. Cold will be. I guess the good news is Lane Kiffin said that you know his players didn't really have any issue with the cold. He's like, I didn't really see it. He's like, now me? I was freezing he said, "I went to the far end of the sideline where there was just a little bit of sun peeking in, and tried to stand in that just for you know, just for a second to warm up." He's like, "I have a real problem with the cold." So cowboy, he can always put on a coat. Big hoodie guy, which that, you, that you would cover up the, the hoodie. sweet hoodie. Yeah, yeah, maybe he's gonna stick with the hoodie. Yeah, slip some of those hand warmers. Need to get him a come to the sip parka. <laughs>
3: Uh, LSU is doing come to the boot now on their graphics, and it's like, all right, guys, you smoked them on the field. You don't have to copy their recruiting pitch. Like, Be better than that. That's, that's somebody else's Leave giving. Leave nothing behind. I, I mean, that's somebody else's Just giving. Raise it doing? to the ground. You're LSU. You don't have to steal from anything except for hospital charities. That, that I mean, other than that.
2: Hey, Dad's giggling. It's inaudible. Like he likes. Brief. I mean, that Lost, was just like a sniper rifle, man. Just he just got he just got quick scoped. Lost in all of that, though, is the fact that, unless you did win, and in doing so, they set themselves up with an Alabama win to go to the SEC championship game. And so, in year one under Brian Kelly. LSU has a loss to Florida State, a loss to Tennessee, and a trip to Atlanta for the SEC championship game. Where are they are going to play Georgia?
4: A weird season. That's yeah. a winnable game. I agree. If LSU plays its best and catches Georgia a little bit off, they can win that Wait,
3: game. You don't think LSU can beat Georgia?
2: Uh... Can, yeah, I mean, a perfect LSU game and a very lackluster game from Georgia, sure. Which I guess is kind of what we saw last year when Alabama throttled Georgia. I mean, throttled them in Atlanta. I don't think you will get an unfocused Georgia team, though. And Georgia has proven when the stakes are highest this year and the opponent has its full focus, that is a pretty impressive outfit they've got, I think. Would you pick LSU to win that game? No. But can
3: they win it? No. No, but I think it could be close, or will be
2: close, I should say. Okay. Okay. There were two 13 to ten games in the SEC. What book, year is it? Book ended, uh, you bookended the day with thirteen to ten games. LSU thirteen to ten over Arkansas. Auburn thirteen to ten over Texas A and M, guaranteeing that Texas A and M will not be playing in a bowl game this year as they picked up their seventh loss of the season, first team in the SEC to get to seven losses this year? Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk it, right? I mean, I mean Texas A&M wins they this would... week,
3: I guess. Yeah, UMass is 1-9. and nine. Yeah,
4: Their line is bad. very interesting, though. That line is interesting. What me. is it? 33
2: and a
4: half? Yeah. I mean, AM beat an FCS team to start the season
2: only by 31. Don't you think they're winning this game like 56 to 3? Can they win Do a Do I game think 56 they can score 56? Well,
3: Madison Central could really keep it closer
2: really than bad. that. Really bad. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back.
0: It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm.
2: 87,451 at Jordan-Hare on Saturday night. That's impressive in and of itself. Auburn has a touchdown pass at the end of the first quarter to go up 7 nothing. They let it, uh, that was the halftime score. They kicked a field goal to make it 10 nothing at the end of the third quarter. a kicked a field goal like 11 minutes to play to make it 10-3. Auburn kicked another field goal to make it 13-3. And then Texas A&M scores with a minute 33 left. And that was your ballgame. Texas A&M had 94 yards rushing. And they had, uh, goodness, 121 yards passing. Texas A&M had 215 yards of total offense. Ole Miss ran for 400 against Auburn.
4: And yet you think they're just going to put 56
2: up this weekend. Auburn wasn't a, just a ton better. They had 330 yards of total offense. 270 of that on the ground. Robbie Ashford was 6 of 13 for 60 yards with a touchdown and two interceptions. Wigman was 14 of Auburn. 36 for one touchdown and 121 yards. That's only slightly better than 33%. What, what is that? What was the number again? Say it again. He completed 38.8 of his passes.
4: Mm. Auburn had given up 39 or more in four
2: straight games. They gave up 10. A-Chain did not play for a and
3: And neither did their best receiver because he dared wear an arm
2: sleeve. So Mushin Muhammad was suspended for the game for wearing arm sleeves? Which he had worn previously
4: in-game. Multiple times. Yeah.
5: State has players it, wearing
4: full hoodies and, and during the game, and, and Texas has been in a guy for arm
2: sleeves. That's actually something I'm curious about. So I know hoodies, like everybody loves a hoodie now, right? They're, they're all over the place. Everywhere yeah. you go, you got a hoodie. Absolutely. Why does it make sense for football players to wear hoodies under their football
4: jerseys? Feels like it would be like the dreadlock thing, right? That you could pull somebody down by that, and it would be really dangerous. Like, and that's that's not I mean, a horse collar. Yeah. I mean, the fabric
2: would tear. I just don't Should. understand. Yeah. I don't understand why you would wear a hoodie under your jersey. Unless you're going to wear the hood. Uh, like I, if it's super cold, you want to wear the hood up with the helmet over the top of it. Okay. Whatever.
4: Yeah. I'm with you on this one. I, I don't get it.
2: It's trimmed, though. It's everywhere. I was watching, uh, I was watching yeah. Houston during warmups or Temple during warmups. I was like, I don't get the whole hoodie thing. They had guys with cutout sleeves on a hoodie, so it was like a sleeveless hoodie, and then the hoodie with the hood flapping out of the back of the jersey. I, I just, I, I mean, fashion, I guess, but whatever. Um, either way, post game scene was cool with Cadillac Williams
3: bizarre. Otherwise, how do you mean? They, they acted like they were celebrating. The birth of their Lord and Savior. Well,
2: they just rolled the trees, or the light poles, or whatever but, they rolled. Yeah, all, all the
3: the talk, all the family, and uh, just all that stuff is so just insufferable.
2: I mean, it's less culty than A They're AM kinda, light. Uh, is that light? I don't. I don't even really light. They've got the vibes though.
4: They have Auburn Jesus
3: too they've got the vibes. And on the flip side with a and I mean, people,
4: oh, well, if it's... They if, don't have the wacky tradition stuff. I mean, I guess no. the Eagle, but... Yeah, you know, for the most part, it's Auburn fans, like, that's the cool. stuff that goes on in... That's what I'm saying. Like, what goes on in Jordan-Hare Stadium is the same things that goes on in other stadiums. If fans show up, they cheer for their team. That's great. There's no ridiculous hand gestures or, you know, milkman, milkman outfits.
3: Yeah, but have you...
4: The Bada the, the a thing is... That, but People do that. Everybody everybody has a little swirly pom-pom thing going there. A lot of shakers. Yeah. Auburn loves some shakers. When did they become shakers? They were pom-poms my whole life. Now they're shakers.
3: So pom-poms look cool, but I, I will die on this hill. You shouldn't use them because they take your natural noisemaker away. When you're shaking a pom-pom, it doesn't make any noise at all. There's no noise made. And instead of shaking your little pom pom, you could be clapping, and it's louder. If you want your stadium to be louder, don't give goofy pom poms to middle-aged men. All right, get rid of those. Let the let the kids play with them. Could not a- disagree with you more. Well, then you don't want your stadiums to be loud, and that's fine. But have you ever been to Jordan Hare Stadium on a
2: Saturday afternoon or Saturday night? And it that could place be louder, is deafening. And when it, it could gets be going. louder if you got rid of the goofy pom poms. I don't think it would make a difference. And it looks they don't have so them
3: in Baton Rouge. Cool. It's Oops. louder.
2: It's another thirteen thousand people. Check. It's thirteen thousand more. No, it's 13,000 more people with a fully bowled in stadium. They, they don't
3: have them at Alton Stadium in Oregon. And that's a small stadium. Sure no, not like that.
2: Yeah, they do pom-poms at Alton sometimes. Okay. Go back, go back and watch. Yeah, checkmate. Wait. It's science. Shockingly, 13,000 more science. people are louder. What makes more noise? The pom-pom <laughs> or the clap? It's science. When it comes to it, there's like diminishing returns
0: somewhere there. At some point, it's so loud. La- sports Talk Mississippi. Your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. <laughs>
2: Clock hour on this Tuesday. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, and you. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. It would be a chilly afternoon on the golf course. But we'll get some sunshiny and warmish days mixed in throughout the fall as we get more toward the holiday season. Be sure to take advantage. Book your tee time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. You want to be a part of the conversation? Join us, won't you, on the C Spire text line. 601 879 Four three nine five. so yesterday Lane Kiffin met with the media he had had a little bit of time to allow the loss from Saturday afternoon Saturday night marinate and maybe calm down a little bit here is the Rebels head coach on the Farm Bureau guest line
5: alright so you know this is the last time we to talk about it um You know, which is um, always one of the issues, you know, with you play the game and when you lose, you got to deal with that Saturday and Saturday night. Then you got to watch it as a staff Sunday, so you relive it. And then you got to watch with your players Monday morning, relive it. And, you know, you want to move on and then you got to come here. So, um, you know, to recap it, as you guys know, in here you saw I was very frustrated after the game. And I think that just, you know, Explaining to the players today, you know, I think that's a thing about experience, and as you get older, um, just understanding, just like you do with your own children, like they don't usually understand what they're going through and what that moment is and how rare that moment may be. Um, you know, so I was just frustrated for our players to be that close, to have the ball in your hands against Alabama, you know. Controlling the outcome, you know, if you take some time off the clock and score, you, you beat Alabama. And that's a rare thing. Um, I told him today, you know, I was in that situation 13 years ago, all in our hands at Tennessee, um, going down to kick a field goal to beat Alabama. So it <clears throat> doesn't happen very often. So that's why there was a lot of frustration in it, you know. and. Probably with what they say with the SEC scheduling uh, change coming up, you know, we're not going to play them. Ole Miss and Alabama's are not going to play every year. So, you know, even less chance for those things to happen. So that's frustrating as you watch the film and see all the missed opportunities. Um, Commend our team, like I said, after the game. Commend Bryce especially. Um, Put his Superman cape on and made some unbelievable plays uh, in that game. And, you know, that's why he's the Heisman Trophy winner. So, and we had a chance to finish the game and and didn't do it. So, it is what it is. got to move on. Uh, Arkansas, a very talented team that played really in a lot of ways outplayed LSU Saturday. Um, And really had a bunch of chances with backup quarterbacks to beat LSU. So, that tells you a lot about... How good they play at times, and um, how good they just played Saturday. And a difficult place to play at night, and weather. So uh, we got to get back on track, have a really good week, and prepare really well. Playing last year I know you had Matt, Sam, Chance, and other guys who were kind of the, the rallying voice in the locker room after losses or even after that Arkansas game, after LSU and even these couple days, Who who is kind of you seeing be that voice in the locker room to just kind of keep the guys focused? Uh, I don't know that. I mean, like I told him today, you had a similar challenge before with losing your first game of the year, you know, at LSU and um, came back and regrouped and went on the road and won the next week at A&M. So, you know, you want players to do that stuff. But, you know, again, said, Coach, you know, that's part of your job to do that and not rely on the players to do that and, and walk these guys through it. So... You know, this will be challenging. Uh,
1: there was a, a lot
5: made uh,
1: during the game and after the game about officiating on, on social media and whatnot, um, with some hits and
5: some non calls. Uh, you retweeted some stuff. Could we just get your thoughts on the officiating from that game? Yeah, you probably missed me by a day. I probably would have said a lot of different things. But like I said, I've, you know, put the game behind us. We can't go back and win the game by calling a different play, changing something. So, um, it is what it is, um, you know. Obviously, the Jackson part and after the whistle stuff, um, you know, is disappointing. Talked to his mom, um, you know, just kind of apologize, even though it's out of our control. So, you know, it's like she mentioned it's just a shame her son gets treated different based off what SEC program that he's at um, on game day and protected different. So, um, you know is what it is, and, you know, we move on. I suspect you won't answer this. And let's make sure that quote was right. Like she said, not me, I really don't want to get fined today. You can't find me for what someone else says. (laughs) That's why I suspect you
0: won't answer this, but there was a pervasive thought around the league that different programs are treated different ways, that different programs are officiated different ways through different filters. You've been on both ends of that spectrum. Do you see a difference? Hmm.
5: Um, I mean, that's been talked about for a long time, being around this conference. Um, I know fans do whatever, but as coaches. Um, So I'll just say I've been on both sides of it. And um, I'll leave it at that.
0: Um looking ahead to Arkansas a little bit, you guys played a pretty crazy game last year, the fifty two to fifty one game. Um, what do you remember from that game just as a as a coach?
5: Uh, it's a reminder to me that every game is independent of a different game. Um, the year before had been low scoring. Uh, you know, we really struggled against that defense and would not have predicted a high scoring game, hundred points between the two. So, Every game's different, every week's different, and um, that's just a really good reminder. You know, just like you can go, go into a game and look at LSU and Arkansas, and most you would have said, okay, well, that's probably going to be lopsided based off of what had happened the week before, Liberty versus Alabama outcomes. So um, it just shows you every week's different and every game's different. Uh, hey, Coach, so what impresses you most about this Arkansas team? Uh, I think uh, how hard they play, um, especially answering the call after you know the Liberty game to come back versus LSU, um, early kick, and to play as hard as they did, force whatever seven sacks, and play really well up front. Um, you know, says a lot. You
4: mentioned just how emotional that game on Saturday was. Um, what kind of has been the response
5: you've seen from the players as well as the coaching staff? Well, I'm. I mean, it's my job to lead, so just kinda like I said to you guys, you know, I went through stuff Saturday night, Sunday morning and you know, and you have to fight that, especially as a coach. Like I there's not an hour during those twenty four hours or fifteen minutes that's some thought of something different, do something different than that game, give it to a different player, call a different play, manage a situation different. Um, you know, that that's just how I'm wired, so I just have to teach them. Hey, you've got to get to the point where you have to realize you cannot change. We're not going to win the game. We can't go backwards. And so, um, hopefully, they just follow my lead. Uh, I know you noted or confirmed Zach had that concussion, missed the second half. Just how is he? I, I guess where is he in the process of all that now? Um, I mean, we just walked through today, so I don't have any more information on that. Um, you know. That has been an issue statistically, scoring wise, when he goes out and, and not kind of having that one-two punch, um, you know. But so it is what
2: it is. I was Lane Kiffin yesterday talking uh, with the media. Maybe some interesting things in there. Thought specifically, you've been on both sides of the equation of the how officiating happens, what do you think? And he used a bunch of words to go, I've been on both sides of it, so I'll leave it at that.
3: <laughs> he, he's, You know what he said without saying it? Yes, it's real. Of course he did. That's what he said. Yes, it's real. That coaches talk about it, they know it. He's been at Alabama, he's been at Ole Miss.
2: It's real. It is. Find hey, me hey, for that if you surprised like. by that either yeah I mean hey that's going what I've, I've been telling you what, what about how he handled the whole we're, we're not pleased with the Jackson dart situation he you know sub subtweeted subquoted Jackson dart's mom and then he goes eh. just to be sure that was her quote not mine can't find me for no. something I didn't say
4: I'm kind of surprised and it's Tuesday now that the SEC Hasn't gone back because they they go back and look at stuff, mm-hmm. but there hasn't been sort of a, you know, possible suspension or something. That that's a Are dirty you play.
2: Surprised?
4: Okay, good point. <laughs> I'm not surprised, but I, I guess they I feel like they should have done that. What what should they go back and say? That they missed the call and. That's, a, that's something that could have gotten Wh- a player one? ejected And so uh, when he slams his head down. Mm. Yeah.
3: I've got about five seconds, but the NBA does it, and it's frustrating. But after games, they do what's called a two minute report where they straight up admit where refs screwed up. Doesn't change anything, but you could do it.
0: It would help We're transparency. We'll be right back. In Mississippi sports, you'll hear about it first, right here Sports Talk, Mississippi. Oh, you gonna take me home tonight Oh, down beside that red firelight Oh, you gonna let it all hang out Fat bottom girls, you make the rockin' world go round
2: So, a little bit different this weekend with the Polk's Pick 6. Hey, Dad, we had 301 on-time entries. There were a few that were uh, submitted well after the kickoff of games on Saturday, and so those had to be called out. So, eligible entries, 301. Would you care to guess within 25... The number of people that went 6 and 0, Georgia at Mississippi State, Georgia winning, Coastal Carolina hosting Southern Miss, Chanticleer's winning, LSU beating Arkansas, Alabama beating Ole Miss, Florida beating South Carolina, and TCU beating Texas. How many do you think got all six right? Ole Miss Alabama
4: probably took out a good chunk. So you had 301, I'm going to say
2: 72. You are not within twenty-five. High or low? You are way low. <laughs> oh no! Out of three hundred one eligible entries, one hundred seventy-seven people went six and zero this week.
3: Wow! Yikes!
4: In fairness, so, folks, things they to, really kind of went to. They got to run through right? a few more pigs. Yeah, I mean, I said Alabama-Ole Miss. I thought more people would have picked Ole Miss.
3: But still, like, the favorite one in that game. the Coastal was the favorite. They beat Southern Miss. Georgia was the favorite. They beat Mississippi State. Georgia,
4: TCU, Florida.
3: Wait, wasn't TCU a dog? TCU was a dog. (laughs) Yeah, but they they were undefeated Ah. and ranked higher. Yeah, true. Oh, boy. People aren't looking at that. Texas is back, buddy. Oh, they're back. Hey, yeah. do you know where they go this weekend? Baylor? Kansas. Oh, God. Could you? scene imagine, of the crime. Could you imagine if Sark loses to Kansas two years in a row? I don't think they're firing mm-hmm. him after this year because Arch Manning's coming in, and by God, that's a program changer. But if he loses to Kansas two consecutive years to fall to 6-5... and five, don't you have to so wonder? It's like we
4: got we got the f- wrong former Southern Cal guy. Go get Kiffin.
2: We get a message. So says, how are we getting a winner out of this? Uh, we got tiebreaker. It was total points in the Ole okay. Alabama game, which was fifty-four. And we're going to end up with a random number generator winner on this. By the way, um, okay. We have three people that pick fifty-four exactly. As they okay, bad, hey, right. not bad. Yeah, that's not yeah. that's not okay. That's very reasonable. Wait, so you want, wait, to, you want me to do it again? Uh, yeah, we'll do that. All right. So, hold, hold on a second. Hold on a two. second. No, hold on a second. All right, I got to hold on. Okay. okay, I'm sorry. All right, yeah. two is the number. Hiram is the winner this week. Hiram, I will send you a text message. We'll get your contact information and you will receive a prize package from Polks. A six pack of Polk's meat products. We will get your information so that we can get your prize to you. Post haste. Thank you for participating. So in my pick'em that I do with my group, right?
4: Our tiebreaker game was Auburn, Texas AM. I won this week. I was one of we were tied. There were three of us that got six out of seven games right. But I had the best tiebreaker. I had, I think, mine was like 38, which I still high on. But I was the closest. One guy had 63, and I texted him. I was like, "How on earth do you think Auburn and Texas A&M are combining for 63 points?" He had no good answer.
2: No. (laughs) We the uh, good guys win again in that one. We we will go outside the footprint this weekend. For the games. <laughs> yeah. We we will have Ole Miss Arkansas. That may be the only SEC game we use. I mean, Tennessee, South Carolina, that's just too much of a slam dunk. Yeah. Georgia Florida Bandy, yeah. I guess that could make the cut, but probably not. So pro- probably gonna just go other than and we'll Gotta put, the put Southern Miss game in there.
4: Put the soul ball on there.
2: What you got? Oh, the Jackson Jackson State State is this weekend. Yeah,
4: put that on there for sure this
2: week. And then, um, what? You got some top twenty-five matchups. Not going to put Illinois, Michigan in there. We'll put TCU, Baylor in. Illinois, Michigan. No way. Come on. Come on, man. You talking about Big Ten West champion Illinois? Come on. You know what's really pathetic about the Big Ten? Southern Cal
3: UCLA will be in there? Yeah, got to put that in there. Yes. So Ohio State in a conference game was a 40-point favorite last weekend. In a conference game, they are a 28-point favorite this weekend. Mm -hmm. No cover. You know what would not happen in the SEC? That right there. Wouldn't happen. You would not have consecutive games where any team is a 40 and then a 28-point favorite in consecutive weeks in the SEC. Wouldn't happen. Oh, I, I Wouldn't disagree happen. with that. 40? If
2: I, 40.
4: If Alabama, if Alabama... What was Alabama favorite over Vanderbilt earlier this year?
3: When it like 32 or something? I thought it was like 38. Either way, and then there's another game following then, that. Well,
4: let's say Alabama had back-to-back games this year, or Georgia had back-to-back games this year. Against Vanderbilt and then Missouri, I know that George only beat Missouri by four. What was the line on that game? It wasn't
2: forty or twenty-eight. Uh, now you're gonna make me look. You made like me it look borky. Thirty-ish wasn't it? Was it that, Was it not that big? No way. So, so the games will have this. We'll have Utah, Oregon, Southern Cal, U.C. It was Twenty-nine. Haha. <laughs> Wasn't one, one no 28, Wasn't eh? no 28. Wasn't <laughs> <One> no 28. <laughs> I don't listen ne- to your stuff, Borky. Richard tells me about it. Ne- needless to say, they, um, they didn't cover. They didn't Georgia cover. Georgia did not in that game against, uh, against Missouri. Nah. Is there anything else that Lane Kiffin said that stood out for you? No, other than you can tell that... <phone rings> Hello? Pardon me. Pardon me, I got the... Um, you you can tell. Super that... talk. He's gonna do this on the air. Hello. Can you route that to the uh, to the board, Haiden? Hey, can... Okay, hey, I- I'm here on a live radio show. What can I do for you? Oh, I'm not Walter either. Okay, Haiden, hey, that's enough. He's taking the headphones off. He's not even listening to us at this point. Right. Okay, we killed his mic. He's back now. That was not nearly not as entertaining as it should have been.
4: Well, you know, she was quick to get off the phone when I said we were on a live radio show. Did she apologize? Yes. Mm. I think she was uh, from uh, a Southeast Asian country.
3: Yeah, so I, I really... Uh, I messed around and found out... Uh, you can use a different word if you want, just not on the that air. That is a different word. W- when it came to... Scam callers because I used to answer and like answer as you know uh, FBI scams and fraud division in Quantico, Virginia. Your call has been routed to me. If you hang up, we you know that kind of stuff. I used to mess with people like that Mm -hmm. or give them my credit card number, which was six nine four two zero six nine four two zero. You know that kind of stuff. And now I get fifteen to twenty calls a day, and sometimes their software doesn't block China mainland. Straight up, China mainland calls me five, six times a day because yeah, it, the, like the it's, software stops working. It's whether or not
2: answer is the issue, right?
3: Right. It, it, so it like plugs you into this data that the companies sell to, you know, scam farms that, in China. Is that
4: why the Chinese are calling you, or are there other reasons, Borky, uh, comrade? There, there,
3: may be, there may be other reasons. Apparently, comrade Borky. Like, yeah, comrade Borky. Yeah, just like Yunkin apparently sounds Chinese. Borky apparently sounds Chinese to some,
2: so. To to me the only bore, other thing that really it,
3: like, like, you
4: know, key might
2: yeah K I was only going to say the only thing that uh, that really stood out to me is it doesn't sound like they're super optimistic that Zach Evans is going to play on Saturday yeah
3: and so it makes you wonder you know how how they alleviate
2: and that
4: is as Bent, Bentley has been out hasn't he is he, no, he, he played against out is now. he okay so well then I mean
3: but he's been hurt yes he missed. What four yeah. weeks, five weeks. step
4: up though, yeah, or, or maybe Dart can give a little bit more in the run game than than before. I don't know because you can't like you can't let Judkins have forty carries. You know, although gosh, yeah. if you did, you might have two hundred
2: and seventy yards. It, um, I think, Ole Miss's game plan on Saturday is going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah. Is it is it a game where they try to put the ball in the air more? Is it uh, the identity of this team has run the ball and they just keep on running the ball and hope that they can build enough of a lead that they can not have to lean on Quinshawn Judkins as heavily? And how does Ole Miss change the voodoo that is Fayetteville? Ole Miss has not won in Fayetteville since 2008 when Houston Nutt and the Rebels defeated Bobby Petrino and the Razorbacks in Houston Nutt's first trip back to his old stomping ground. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll hear from Mike Leach next.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. It's a good
2: thing they didn't play this leading up to the start of Mike Leach's press conference yesterday. Wouldn't know where to (laughs) end the countdown clock. Just, just, just keep it, keep it on a loop. Sports Talk, Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. All guests on the show appear via the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com. and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. This was Mike Leach yesterday.
5: Coach, quickly, just kind of looking back at the uh, Georgia film. Anything kind of stand out to you?
6: Not really. I thought it was a hard contested game. I thought both sides played hard. I thought. And Just uh, erratic stuff is a uh, bit you know big plays so when, when we got hurt is on big plays when we Did good things it was big plays and you know it really wasn't that far off uh, As far as the score. I mean, it's just because you know, it's about five plays away really Because um, uh, there are a number of ways we could have easily scored two more touchdowns and given up two less so
0: Mike, I'm curious, you know, a couple of years now of, of being here, how do you kind of approach the the last week or two here where you have two games, about 10 days? Do you delegate work at all? Is there anyone that's looking at Ole Miss film already, or are you entirely on East Tennessee?
6: Yeah, you do a little pulse. You know, part of it is you've been, you know, watching it all year long. With regard to the other teams you play, you end up, uh, you know, watching Ole Miss quite a bit anyway, you know, as far as uh, who they play in common. So... And not just them. I mean, you could, heck, you could stick, uh, other than maybe a team or two from the East, you could stick any of them at the end. And watch watched a lot of film on them.
0: It's been shared that it was your preference
6: to play this East Tennessee State game at 11 to kind of get it done. So kind of, what, what's your thought process behind that, and how much of an advantage do you think that will be? Um, that would have been falsely shared. And, um, and uh I think that they play just as well at night as they do uh, during the day. As a matter of fact, I think our fans perhaps may enjoy it more then, but uh, regardless of when we have games, are great times to, uh, to have games, so we go ahead and play them, you know.
1: Obviously, you guys get a little break from the SEC gauntlet this week. I guess, how do you keep your guys locked in on ETSU rather than kind of looking ahead to Ole Miss next week?
6: <laughs> you try to do it should have been doing the whole time which is just trying to improve yourself trying to be the best player you can be and improve your skills I mean that's what you got control over I mean you know I mean uh, it's important to know what the other guy's going to do just so you know you adjust his particular characteristics but this business of uh, all of a sudden you're going to change dramatically how you improve because uh, of what the other guy does. You don't have any control over the other guy. you got control over yourself, you know, or at least uh, you do if you'll take it. And that's what we need to do.
1: Mike, I think it was uh, after the Kentucky game, you, you put a lot of the offensive struggles. You, you took a lot of the blame, you know, on yourself there. And, um,
4: you know, the the few weeks that have followed that, obviously still some offensive struggles. I guess what do you think maybe you guys from the
6: sidelines uh, could do differently to maybe get the offense going these last couple games? Well, we played some really good opponents, so I think that makes it challenging. Uh, I think the better we protect, the, you know, the better we play, and then just kind of a combination of, uh, of everybody getting on the same page as far as executing, you know, and and again, I mean, we still have the call out for uh, – I'm, I'm looking for some receivers that really want the ball, that just determined to have the ball every play and. You know right now we've got a group of nice guys that like each other like the ball like the team You know like the social activities that go along with it, but you know we want somebody that you know Just really wants the ball for the sake of having the ball because uh, You know they believe they're better with it than the other guy uh, You know the seat next to him yeah.
5: <clears throat> What have you thought of uh, Massimo and then kicking game the past couple of weeks seems like it's kind of improved?
6: So I think it, yeah, it's yeah. I think it's improved. I think it's definitely improved.
5: How will you kind of adjust the schedule? I guess the uh, you know, kind of leading into next week. I guess the day
3: off would be the Friday, the mandatory day off. But you know, will you be in shells or how will you kind of handle
0: practice?
6: Uh. Yeah, yeah, you lighten it up, you know, you try to get some work in, both mental and physical, but you got to lighten it up too, yeah. Coach, I see where Rufus leads the team in receptions now. I know he doesn't have a whole lot of yards, but is that just a credit to his hands and catching the football a lot? Well, I, I think he's steadily emerged as a as a player, you know, and he's, uh, he's continued to get better. Um, I don't know when exactly he led the team. I I mean, was it recent? I guess Uh, I I haven't paid a lot of attention. we got a whole bunch of them that are cluttered together there, but uh, He what? Yeah, you know, he could certainly have more than that too. That's the biggest thing is if these guys would separate themselves, we'd you know, we'd throw it more at the guy that specifically separates himself. If all of a sudden, you're clearly better than the guy next to you, we're gonna throw you the ball more. And the guy next to you can sit and watch you catch the ball more. Either that or find ways to give us some really good reasons to throw it to them more, you know?
0: Seen the last few uh, games, you know, in, in the past defense, guys like Colin Duncan, Sean Preston come up with some pretty big plays, but also a lot of explosive plays allowed.
4: I guess, what's so kind of maybe the, the middle grind you guys can, you know, find there and get some more consistency?
6: Well, we got to get that. You know, we, we do a good job running to the ball, do a good job uh, getting turnovers, and have been affecting the quarterback some recently, uh, but then just leave stuff blatantly there. You know, just a little too much space. And, um, you know we were explosive as far as uh, turnovers and shutting down some plays but also giving some up you know yeah
5: when you guys win the opening coin toss what goes into your decision whether to defer or receive
6: <laughs> not much usually we receive it you know i mean if the other guy wins they usually give it to you so we figured uh we'd try to make it a little more routine
1: to uh, watching these receivers in camp in August are you surprised you've reached this point and no one has emerged did you think someone would become that guy
6: Nah, not a lot I mean I wish I could say as well they, they you know cuz they they all do some good things they all do some good things but they're not just uh, you know they we, we just need guys that uh, kind of that competitive guy that's determined to be the best one that wants to you know, hey, I'm the best in this room and and, and that's it and there's nothing any of you guys can do about it we, we're we still searching for that guy, you know, we, we have guys that get along well, we've got guys that compete well, we got guys that can do some things, uh, we get got guys that, uh, you know, are out there playing and you say, hey, let him have a couple, oh, okay, he can have a couple, yeah, you know, I mean Nah, it's just, yeah, I mean, we just, I, uh, I need guys that, you uh, I mean, we're looking for somebody that uh, uh, just wants to take charge of it, wants to control it, wants to have it, wants to not give it back. When you watch ETSU on film, what impresses you about that team? Yeah, just, they play together, and they're, yeah they play together well, and just their overall enthusiasm, and like all teams are dealing with something, and battling something, but um, they are excited to go out there and compete, and you know, kind of like we are. Yeah.
2: Mike,
6: how'd you get into coaching, and what really made you kind of fall in love with football? Oh, geez. Um, I had to get into coaching. Uh, the, uh, well, everybody ought to go buy the book Swing Your Sword, and it's getting towards the holidays, so buy about 10 copies and give them to family and friends. They make tremendous gifts and stocking stuffers. Um, the, the, really, um, um, well, I did, you know, as a kid growing up, everything from the backyard to, um, <clears throat> you know, just playing stuff, and then, of course, you'd watch it on TV, there was no recording anything, either you saw it or you didn't, and, uh, and if you didn't see it very good, you'd go ask your friends, and hopefully they did see it good, so then you'd, uh. You know, pass around or look at it in the newspaper, um, <clears throat> and then football was, um, you know, the the main, you know, my the my main priority, and then um, well, then baseball, and then of course in the summer when you're not in school and not working, there are baseball teams all over. So as a pretty young, I started coaching a baseball team uh, when I was 15, and. Uh, and in Wyoming, it was easier to drive a, around a vehicle when you're 15 than maybe it is some places. And so every summer from 15 through my sophomore year in college, I had a baseball team, so, yeah.
2: <laughs> How about the infomercial for his book? Hey.
4: Not the platform, is it?
3: Wow. Okay, one thing. Wow. What, What impresses you about East Tennessee State? Come on, man. Nothing. 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 He doesn't care about East Tennessee State. I bet you if you asked him to give an honest answer, he wishes they weren't even playing the game because it's a waste of his team's time other than getting some confidence back after some bad weeks. But nothing impresses him about East Tennessee State because there's nothing impressive about East Tennessee State. I've actually watched them play. They're not good for FCS. Come on.
2: Nothing. There was one little line of questioning that kind of grabbed my attention. We'll talk about that when we come back. And you can buy "Swing Your Sword" at your local bookseller.
0: Best, best sports talk in the state.
5: The best thing. Say that
1: again.
0: We the best on three, one, two, three. We the best. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at Supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. The Mike Leach press conference was um it went a whole lot there. But he was asked about receivers, and the, the, the question that got him going down this road and got me exploring a little bit more was Rufus Harvey is now your leading receptions. He doesn't have that many yards. Is it just a function of him catching balls that are thrown to him? Yes, probably. But, hey, Dad, I was thinking back to the offseason when we were talking about what was expected of Will Rogers and this receiving core, and you were talking about different guys in there. I don't remember the numbers you threw out, but and and I don't mean this as a criticism at all. It was a function of what you've seen from Mike Leach's offense for 15, 20 years, where you're like, you know, you're going to have... Three or four guys that catch sixty balls and go for over a thousand yards. I'm not putting those numbers in your mouth, but it was something that was just kind of like just kind of rolled off, and you didn't really think anything about it. Right, right. Here's the truth, though. You you do have uh, if Tulu Griffin has one more catch, you will have six players with thirty catches. If Austin Williams gets four more catches, you'll have seven with uh, seven players with thirty catches. And Jaden Wiley could get there also. He's got 24 catches through 10 games. So you could potentially have eight players with 30 or more catches, but nobody has emerged, right? I mean, it's 44 for Rufus Harvey. Mm-hmm. Your two backs, Marks and Johnson, are both at 40. Ducking's got 39. Rah Thomas is kind of the big play guy. He's averaging 15 yards a catch. He's only got 38. Tula Griffin, 29. Austin Williams, 26. Jaden Wally 24. Drops off after that. But the yardages are kind of what I don't know if surprise is even the right word. Rufus Harvey, nine and a half catches you uh, nine and a half yards per catch. Marks five and a half. Dylan Johnson six. Ducking eleven. Ra fifteen. Tulu twelve. Wally eleven. Do these numbers at this point surprise you? I mean, there's nobody there, – there's one player averaging more than 50 yards per game receiving, and that's Ra'ra Thomas. And it's
4: 56. Yeah, but a good bit, actually. I mean, because I thought that Jaden Wally – I didn't realize Jaden Wally was going to fall off a cliff kind of the way that he has. Austin Williams kind of fell off the cliff, you know, the way that, they, that he has. Um, and I thought that with, you know, Makai Polk last year caught 108. I didn't expect somebody to do that again, but I thought, I mean – if I said eighty, I mean that's that's almost thirty less catches for one guy. I thought that was a reasonable target for someone like Wally, maybe Ra Ra Thomas, maybe Tulu Griffin, to 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 get to. So the balance is great, but the fact that they don't have they don't have a guy that on third and seven they can just say throw it to him. They had that last year with Makai Polk. Third and seven, throw it to Makai Polk, he'll get the first down. They don't have that guy this year, and you know you combine that with Rogers as taking a step back this year. There's just no getting around that in the way that he's played. And that's why those numbers look the way
2: that they do. And, okay, so you mentioned Polk 105 catches for over 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns. Marks, Woody Marks, is 43 catches fewer than last season. Dylan Johnson yeah. is 25 fewer catches than last year. Jaden Wally. And that's is, with three games to play. Let's look at it, make clear on that. Yeah. Well, that's true. Wally, at this point, is 30 catches behind where he was a year ago. Austin Williams is half Mm -hmm. of what he had last year. And Malik Mm -hmm. Heath, for all of the... He's, you know, not productive. He had 34 catches, averaged 13 yards a catch, and had five touchdowns last season. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've got a guy
4: who's... I mean, there's like five guys for State that are doing that. I mean, that that production has been replaced, I would feel. Well, but... It's the Polk production you haven't replaced.
2: Yeah, I was going to say... What is? Sorry, I was trying to pull up Malik Heath's numbers in the Ole Miss offense, and I know it's it's a little apples and oranges. Mm -hmm. But but when you say the production has been replaced, he is the leading receiver for Ole Miss. So thirty eight catches this year, Mm -hmm. averaging sixteen yards a catch. He's got three touchdowns. So he's ahead of the pace, where significantly ahead of the pace in terms of yards, the yardage, yeah, catch. Yeah. Uh and and what? He's on pace to catch fifty balls, including a bowl yeah. game this year. But a guy but
4: the way I would look at it is Caleb Ducking, who didn't catch anything last year, will have more catches close to as many yards and more touchdowns than Malik Heath had from Mississippi State last year.
2: Yeah. But it's still a piece you take out.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah. It's uh Strange season. It's just for this Mississippi State. And with the the backs, you know, backs less less catches, sure, but more carries this year. At least in the first six games. Uh, let's see here. Rushing attempts for the season last year, Johnson eighty nine and Marks had one o six. This year, Johnson's got seventy seven, so he's on pace to have a little bit more. And Marks and he's missed eighty a couple games. Say so what? Yeah. Yeah, and Johnson's missed a couple games. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi, 5 o'clock hour. College Football Fix is next.
0: Sports Talk. Sports Talk Mississippi. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, and Super Talk TV, of course, on your Super Talk radio stations. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, thank you for being with us. You can join us on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. It's time right now for the college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Rolling toward the holiday season, 2022 Ford F-150 under the Christmas tree. Wouldn't be a bad way to wake up on Christmas morning. Or if you want to give somebody a Thanksgiving present, you can do that also. Best-selling truck in America for 45 straight years. Some people give swing your sword. Some people
3: give trucks. You know Just depends on what you're uh, What you're bringing in I guess Potato potato Yeah Or who are you buying for Exactly You know Father-in-law gets swing your sword Husband gets the truck
2: Mmm I like this plan Can we share this with uh, Mrs. Cross I mean is she not
3: listening right now Is this not blaring through the uh, Women's clothing store right now So they can all hear the takes um, the answer is no. I feel like that'd be good for I, business. I mean, Taylor Swift has a new albums, sure, but uh, talking no. about LSU it's is us. better.
4: Hi,
2: we're the problem. It's us. No. Oh. No, that's okay. Ticketmaster that's the problem today, apparently. Concert uh, tickets went on sale. They were not ready for the I didn't wholesale. get involved in that. Yes.
3: Uh, yes. Secondary ticket markets are an absolute sham. I mean, it's it's unbelievable that. They they get away with... Let's take a game, for example. You're buying on a secondary market. If I were to go to watch the Pels play, and I found tickets for $15, right? Mm-hmm. bought two tickets. You would think 30 bucks, maybe a little extra. You know, 34 would be my checkout total. It would be over $50 for two $15 C's. Mm-hmm. That is ridiculous.
2: Fees. Yeah. <laughs> fees
3: processing fees handling fees but what you're handling electronic tickets you there, there's nothing to send me
2: there's nothing to process shipping yeah yeah i mean just <laughs> since when did gmail start surcharging send on an email ah whatever uh but yes yes that uh, that's, uh, no jane i mean it's possible that she's listening but it's only because she's in her car and the radio happened to be on that um not not a regular listener but if she happens to be listening and I say something she thinks is inappropriate, she lets me know quickly. And in terms of getting that over the speakers in the store, probably not, working. Sorry to burst your bubble.
3: We would boost sales if, if when, there ever becomes a time where sales are down, yeah. we will help. When she opens,
4: when she eventually opens the the the, the new store for men, Jim, uh, we, we'll dick. we'll be on there. <coughs>
2: What Dick and Jane, You've heard of those? No. <laughs> All right, you're in eighth grade. So, let's, uh, let's do this. Yesterday, during <laughs> Winners and Losers, Brian Haydad, as one of the winners, mentioned the 10 finalists for the C Spire Connerly Trophy. Excited to let you know that once again this year, Tuesday night, November 29th, I believe, We will be there for the Connerly Trophy presentation. Looking forward to that. Here are your finalists. Jarvion Howard, running back at Alcorn State. Connor Fordham, linebacker at Belhaven. Delta State's Patrick Shigog, quarterback. Good numbers there. Shadour Sanders at Jackson State, also a quarterback. Millsap's Moise Tezo, he's a wide receiver and kick returner. Uh, Mississippi College's Marcus Williams, running back. Mississippi State's Emmanuel Forbes, defensive back. Mississippi Valley State's Ronnie Thomas, defensive lineman. From Ole Miss, Quinshawn Judkins, obviously a running back. And from Southern Miss, wide receiver Jason Brownlee. Those are the names. Let me, let me give you some numbers. Patrick Shigog, quarterback at Delta State. Has completed sixty-five percent of his passes for two thousand four hundred eighty yards, twenty-one touchdowns, seven interceptions. Back in the playoffs, first time since twenty seventeen, I believe. So that's through the air on the ground. Shegog also the leading rusher. He's got sack adjusted six hundred fifty-six yards on the ground and thirteen touchdowns. He's averaging five and a half yards per carry. It has been a really, really good year for Patrick Shegog, leading the Statesman. Shador Sanders runs it, but he is not a huge running threat. A year ago, he had 103 rush attempts for minus 17 yards. Obviously, Sack Yardage factored in.
3: Yeah, but Sack Yardage takes away from how they used him. I've watched him a few times this year, and it's he's a passer, a true passing quarterback, but can beat you with his legs.
2: 63 carries for 177 yards and five touchdowns on the ground this season for Shadur Sanders. Through the air, he's completing 71% of his passes. That's on 371 attempts. Almost 2,850 yards, 31 touchdowns, and just five interceptions this year. And the sack numbers have gone from 35 a season ago to just 15 this year which is a combination of being better on the offensive line, growing up with a better pocket presence, getting away from trouble, all those things factor in. Look, you would expect good numbers from everybody in this group, and Shadur Sanders uh, absolutely uh, qualifies there. Over two years as a starter at Jackson State, 6,078 passing yards, 61 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. Jason Brownlee at Southern Miss, the wide receiver, has 44 catches on the year. For 687 yards. That's a career high with two games remaining in the regular season. He's a big play threat, averaging 15 and a half yards per catch and six touchdowns on the season. He's got to get two more touchdown receptions to match the touchdown receiving total from a year ago. Emmanuel Forbes. I was a little surprised to see the tackle numbers. They're low, but that's not primarily what you're looking for out of a cornerback. He's only got 28 tackles on the season. But he has seven passes defended, which is the most in his career. He has five interceptions, which ties the most in his career. And two interceptions returned for touchdown, which is one off of his career high. So 2020 as a freshman, five interceptions and three touchdowns. Last year he had three picks. None of them went for six. This year, five interceptions with two pick sixes mixed in there.
4: Mm-hmm. Nobody throws to him. Tackle numbers I was, I, I ask, Plus he missed a
2: game. I, I was going to ask you, Do are opponents staying away from him largely? Has anybody Especially attacked him since this the, year? Especially
4: since the A&M game where Haynes King came in and stupidly attacked him and he got two picks, including a pick six. Yeah, people have left him alone. So sort of the same thing with Martin Emerson a year ago. They, just, they don't throw to him.
2: Yeah. Marcus Williams, running back at uh, Mississippi College, has 10 touchdowns this season. He is averaging 9 yards per carry, 910 yards on the season. How about a running back getting 9 yards a clip? Hmm, pretty good. That is pretty darn good. Jarvion Howard at uh, Alcorn State, three years at Syracuse. they productive at Syracuse, but not anything like he's done this year. 225 carries, 1,174 yards. He's averaging a little better than five yards per carry and 11 rushing touchdowns this season. He's also got seven catches and a touchdown. So a total of 12 touchdowns this year for uh, Jarvion Howard at Alcorn State. Uh Millsaps, Moise Tezo, in nine games, he has 43 catches for 609 yards and five touchdowns. He is also involved in special teams. He is their primary kick returner. Where do I find that? Uh, Special team. There we go. Returns. Sorry. Uh, Eight kick returns, averaging nine yards per return. It's hard to rack up yards in the kick return game anymore. Quinshawn Judkins. 205 carries in his freshman season. 1,171 yards on his way to breaking the single-season rushing record. He is averaging almost six yards per carry. He has 15 rushing touchdowns, which is a single-season record, and he has one receiving touchdown as well. Ten catches, 85 yards, and a touchdown through the air. On his way to, without question, being a freshman All-American, here's my question for you guys. I think I know the answer to this. Is he first-team All-SEC? Should or is be. Or is that going to go to Rocket yeah, Sanders in be, Arkansas? Yeah. Well, they,
4: they do two running backs. Surely he's one of the top two.
2: Are there two running backs on the first team? Yeah. Okay, well then, yeah. He's going to be first-team All-SEC as a running back. Yeah. He's better than Sanders, too. I agree with that. That's your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers.
0: Sports Talk, Mississippi. Sports. 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 On your radio and in the game. Super Talk, Mississippi.
2: Football weekend begins tonight. Two action games. Bowling Green is at Toledo. They're playing it at the Glass Bowl. Toledo, 15-point favorite. And Ohio is at Ball State. Toledo, by the way, seven and three overall, five and one in the Mac. Ohio is seven and three, also five and one in the Mac. They are at Ball State. They are only a three and a half point favorite. So road favorite, Maction Tuesday night. Those two games happening. You also have college basketball tonight, and there's a reason that I'm mentioning that. Just stick with me for a second. Tonight is the night that a lot of eyes will be on college basketball for the first time this year. Right? Because you have the Champions Classic. Kentucky and Michigan State in Indianapolis tipping off at 6 on ESPN. And then at 8.30... You've got Duke and Kansas, which could be a lot of fun. That's a top ten matchup. Those four teams get together every year, a little round robin on who plays who each year. But it's uh, what between games that uh, Reese Davis will hop up on his perch and will go through the new college football playoff rankings. So, as we have done for the last few weeks, I'll ask you the question. Who's your top eight? Or or can we just do this collectively this time? Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU all won last week. That was the top four. Will there be a change in the top four? There should not be, no. Does Michigan jump Ohio State for any particular reason this week?
3: Ohio State covered a 40-point spread. spread.
2: That should be enough to stay put, right? Yeah.
4: They they should stay put, but I still think Michigan's the better team right now. Okay. Okay. All
2: four of those teams are 9-0. and oh. yeah. Tennessee at 8-1. Do they Actually stay at number 5? Oh. I'm sorry, they're all 10-0. and oh, I beg your pardon. Yeah, you're a week behind there. Yeah, Tennessee hung 66 on uh, Missouri last week. They stay Should at be five. 5. Okay. You will have a change at number 6. Oregon loses to Washington. They will drop. We'll see how far. Is this de facto LSU moves up a spot from 7-6, to or does Southern Cal jump LSU with only one loss after their win over Colorado?
4: I think I could see the committee dropping the whole, you know, nonsensical, we're going to move USC ahead of LSU because they have one
3: loss and LSU has two. They might get cute with that, yeah. LSU should just move up one spot, but.
2: I mean, LSU wins by three on the road against Arkansas. Southern Cal plays with its food for the first quarter, and then they blow out a one-win Colorado team. I don't know that there's a whole... Honestly, I mean, I know one was 55-7 to seven or whatever the final was, and the other was 13-10, to 10, but I don't know that there was really much difference in the outcome of those two games. Uh, so some combination of LSU and Southern Cal at six and seven. Two loss now, Oregon. How far do they fall? Because after, so so last week it was Oregon 6, LSU 7, Southern Cal 8, Alabama 9, Clemson 10, and then Ole Miss 11. You ready for a take? Uh Uh-huh. North Carolina. Well, I was going to get to them because along with the question of how far does Oregon fall, how far should North Carolina climb? I think if Alabama and North Carolina lined up and played
3: today, Alabama would win. However, I wouldn't be opposed to them putting North Carolina ahead of Alabama behind LSU. Or LSU slash USC, whoever. Are are you going to jump Clemson with North Carolina? I am. Ooh. But but I, I am not a believer in yeah, Clemson. You hate Clemson. I, uh, it's not that I hate Clemson. I think that they are a fool's gold football team this year. I think North Carolina is going to beat them when they play here in a few weeks. Okay. In the ACC championship game. You want to know why? Quarterback play. North Carolina, I mean, Bryce Young is unbelievable, right? He is. Here's a word I'll use because Bryce Young is a better quarterback than Drake May. He's more, May's more electric. He might be the most, quote-unquote, electric quarterback in college football. Because he has to be. Bryce Young doesn't have to be. May's got a score, it feels like, on every possession. He has to do more. He's asked to do more. And he does it. He's a lot of fun.
2: Clemson was behind Alabama. Are they jumping Alabama? Nope. No. So Borky says he would move North Carolina in front of both Alabama and Clemson. I don't think the committee is going to do that. I don't think so either. And, again, I think if Alabama and North Carolina played each other
3: right now, they would. So if Alabama is ahead of North Carolina, I'm not going to sit here
2: tomorrow and say, they got it wrong. No, because I think they're probably right. All right, so Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Michigan 3, TCU 4, Tennessee 5. That's what we think. Some combination of LSU and Southern Cal at 6 and 7. Alabama moves up to 8. Clemson moves up to 9. Are we prepared to jump North Carolina to 10? Sure. Drop Oregon to 11. How far does Ole Miss drop from 11? Because it gets weird there. Because UCLA lost. Utah is a two-loss team. Penn State is a two-loss team. I would NC have NC State M- lost for a third. I mean, Ole Miss isn't going farther than 14. No, but I would put them ahead of Penn State and Oregon. Put them ahead of Penn State and I Oregon. Think- what about Utah?
3: What about Washington? Utah's got a better win. I would put them ahead of Washington. Utah does have a better win than Ole Miss has,
2: but they do have two losses. So does Ole Miss, but still. Okay, so maybe you go, so Alabama eight, Clemson nine, North Carolina ten. That's when it gets weird. You Utah eleven, Ole Miss twelve. I have Penn State a feeling thirteen, UCLA fourteen, and then maybe you jump Washington up a good bit.
4: I mean, Washington in and the
2: of, AP poll went up nine spots. Okay, if they go up 9 spots here, that'll take them to 16. Hmm. Two lane loss, so they're going to plummet. Texas lost, they're going to fall big. Kansas State probably moves up a spot or two. Notre Dame probably moves up a top spot or two just cuz you got to rank them somewhere. Illinois yeah. may drop out of the top 25 after a loss. UCF is going to bump UCF, up a little bit. Move up. Florida State yeah. might jump UCF this week. Florida State's look pretty good. Could could. I, I can see Florida State going from 23 to like 18 this week. You mentioned Kentucky, it yesterday, Kentucky's but it's, exci-
4: it's exciting to have uh, Florida, Florida State be back on the uh, the radar as a decent game. And it's a Friday night game, so it's not swallowed up by their other games on Saturday.
2: Is that? Is it in Tallahassee this year? Yes, it's, it's on ABC. That's right. Ooh, Friday night. Yeah, that's exciting. That's really good. Friday night, ABC, 6.30 Central Time Kickoff in Tallahassee. Dude, that place will be yeah. well, rocking not for, for that ball game. Yeah, it should be. Should be. That's one of two ACC games on Friday after Thanksgiving. NC State, North Carolina. In fact, you've got a bunch of Friday games. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Friday, week 13, so Ole Miss and Mississippi State get it started on Thursday night, much to the chagrin of Michael Borkey. And you get you got two Tuesday before Thanksgiving games, the Mac. Good All for right, them, so, man. That self-awareness is what that is. So here's your Friday slate. 11 a.m. Tulane at Cincinnati. 11 a.m. Baylor at Texas. Utah State, Boise State. Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan. Toledo, Western Michigan. Okay, Arizona State, Arizona's at 2 on Friday afternoon. NC State, North Carolina at 2.30. Arkansas, Missouri's at 2.30. Mexico, Colorado. Uh, Nebraska, Iowa's at 3 on Big Ten Network. Okay. I'll definitely check that one out. UCLA and Cal. Florida, Florida State. Wyoming, Fresno State. Oregon, Oregon State is Friday. Auburn, uh,
3: no, that's Saturday. You so. you are omitting the biggest game of the day. What's that? USA England, one o'clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess I am. That'll be watched by more people <laughs> than all those
2: football games.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: You're right. Not not by yeah. Richard Cross though.
2: Probably not on that day. I'll be I here. he to be on an airplane at that point. <laughs> Take the day
4: off, Borky. You need to watch that game.
3: I will for the first two hours and six minutes, and then I'll have it up here for the last 20 minutes of the game.
6: All right.
2: We're going to come on the air, and Michael Borky is going to say, could you wait and talk to me in the 3.30 segment? Just You and I can get the first couple segments in. Yeah. i got to get to Philadelphia in time for the show that day, because I've got... East Carolina and Temple
0: the next day. We'll
2: be back. Sports Talk Mississippi.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. You know I love sports. On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: a new sponsor for the citrus bowl. A little little sweet and salty, right? The Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. So now you have two Cheez-It bowls. You get the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando and the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl in Orlando.
4: Not Spons- confusing at all. I mean, no. I don't I don't get it. Like who's eating Cheez-Its with a glass of orange juice? Who's doing that? Uh, it seems like a the, terrible combination. It, that's not, not a good flavor combo. Orange juice, but like, what's well, what I'm saying? What what, what citrus combo works best with cheese? Lime or Cheez-Its, I guess I should say Cheez-Its with lime. You would eat those? What if you had a little bit of uh, a lime flavored Cheez-It? Uh, that's what I'm saying. I don't. I don't. Might be a little bit of a party that. in your mouth. Wouldn't it be a fiesta at that point?
3: La fiesta. You know what this demonstrates? And don't get me wrong, I love bowl season. I watch them all. They're ridiculous? They're ridiculous bowl games are ridiculous. (laughs) Having two Cheese It bowls or excuse me, the Cheese It Bowl and the Cheese It Citrus Bowl is is a bit ridiculous. I'm excited for the future of the sport not being its current system.
4: Think about yeah, you know, we had the Outback Bowl, right? And Everybody knew about the Outback Bowl, but I mean, what did it really do for Outback? Like, people were going to Outback regardless. But somebody on a, on a board of a committee, whatever, at ReliaQuest said, "Guys, I have a solution that's really going to move our business forward in the industry. We're going to sponsor a bowl game. It's going to cost us millions of dollars." But the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? The, the exposure that we're going to get from it will be totally worth it. Do, like,
2: you, do you know to ReliaQuest is? I,
4: I think they're like cloud security. I looked it up the day that mm-hmm. the, uh, like, who's watching this football game going, oh, I do need cloud security. Let me, let me find out more about ReliaQuest.
3: Not going to lie, advertising works on me. Also statistically well, did, works on you, you did
4: the QR on, quote you did the QR code at the at the Super Bowl that could have been anything I take
3: it over your phone could have could have been the Chinese government stealing my data oh wait they have apparently already done Since that Instead, they, they just call you every day for it pretty much but uh, statistically by the way uh, advertising works on radio listeners more than any other media platform so shout out you guys out there but it works on me Hey, Dad, at supertalk.fm and i'll get no, you one of the program it's very at program. supertalk.fm
4: I'll fight you. No, I need that money.
3: Uh, it does work on me, though, man. Uh, I mean, it, when I'm watching the Cheez It Bowl, I'm going to, th- next time I'm at the store and I see like a new buffalo wing flavored Cheez It, guess who's buying it? This guy. It works on me.
4: I mean, that's great, but I'm, I'm just saying like some of these, though, like Cheez It, I get because Cheez It's and football, sure, people have them at the party. You're sitting on the couch, you want to eat some Cheez Its. Love it. Cloud security, not so much. Okay.
2: You guys up for some bowl projections? Uh, I'm up for bowl projections in March. Go. These are from Jerry Palm at CBS. In the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, he has a rematch between Georgia and Tennessee. That is on December 31st. In the Fiesta Bowl in Glendale, Arizona, the other college football playoff semifinal, he has Ohio State, TCU. Okay, sure. So that means... Ohio State beats Michigan, and Michigan gets left out. And
3: TCU lose? Uh, no, no, excuse me. USC loses. USC is undefeated. USC loses. Yes. Is what that means. Oh, you, think a, you think a one-loss USC jumps undefeated TCU? No, I think a one-loss USC gets in ahead of Tennessee. Oh, I don't agree with that. Uh, th- they shouldn't, maybe, but the committee is going to put in a one-loss Pac-12 champion over a one-loss non-champion.
2: And 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 for the record, I do th- if USC at one loss gets in, that means that over the final three weeks, they win against Notre Dame. Yeah, they, did they, they beat UCLA, they beat Notre Dame, and then they, no, not in that order, Notre Dame, UCLA, and then, what, Oregon again? Oregon, Oregon for the first time, or
4: Washington, one of the two. Uh, I will say that uh, I think the committee would not do what he just described. I think they would go out of their way to make it not SEC, SEC, the first first round.
2: <laughs> Bobby and the Batesville on the ceasefire text line. Sorry, guys, I'm at Polk's grabbing food, so I only have a second. But Let me just say, I really don't think advertising works on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Well played, Bobby. <laughs> well played. Many uh, people have
3: spoken of the demise of talk radio, and Buddy,
2: they're wrong. They're wrong. We be some cockroaches. Yep. Um, YouTube. The New Year Six games, Rose Bowl, January second. Oh no, Michigan Southern Cal.
4: I mean, I that watched. is the Rose Bowl at its finest. That's yes, that yeah, is yes, the please. quintessential Rose Bowl.
3: Yes, Michigan yes. Southern Cal. You've seen good the reporting team. by the way that there is increased momentum to not have bowl games host every round of the playoffs. That's good news. Rose bowl we're looking at you. So, yeah, and, and the centerpiece was where does the Rose Bowl fit in the expanded playoff era and their fit might be you'll get team number 13.
2: That's your fit. Oh, they just need UCLA to to be a home seat, home team. Chasing Columbus on the money. All we are missing is Keith Jackson on the call of that game. Whoa, Nelly! Cotton can, Bowl. Can, can we clone him? The way they did uh, Harry Carey? Can we get a hologram? Cotton Bowl. Washington and UCF. Yeah. Eh. Sugar Bowl. That's not, that's not the sexiest matchup. LSU, Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl. Oh, come on. We can do better.
6: Uh can give LSU a I really more exciting really would like the Big 12 adventure.
2: tie in to go away in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah,
3: it's just yeah. You give me the Big 10, man. Yeah. I know uh, they have the Rose Bowl. Yeah. I, I get it. I get it, but I mean could
4: could you imagine LSU, Penn State would be a much I mean LSU would cream them, but from a tradition and uniform standpoint would be fantastic.
3: And Ohio State-Utah was incredible last year in the Rose Bowl, but could you have imagined what that Sugar Bowl would have felt
2: like had it been Ohio State instead of Baylor? Can you imagine if the good players had played? (laughs) Orange Bowl in Miami on December 30th, Clemson, Alabama. (laughs) How the mighty have fallen. (laughs) Oh, wow, he doesn't do all the games. He just does the... New Year Six games here. Oh, you said the Oh, oh well then why did you go to him? I didn't mean to. I just I saw both projections Jerry Paul. and thought that was all of them. I'll uh we'll I'll find go uh ESPNs in a second. We'll find Brett
3: McMurphy. Hey Dad, what's Shreveport like in December? Sometimes I mean, wouldn't Richard snows. know that better?
2: Yeah. Sometimes it
4: snows. Well, Ole Miss, you know, used to be the honorary captains of the uh, Independence Bowl. I'll,
3: I'll tell you what. If state ends up in the Shout Independence Bowl, Perkins. I'll road trip with you. I we see.
4: stay at the casino. State's State's not gonna. I mean, the SEC is not gonna have enough teams to get bowl eligible for state to end up in the Independence Bowl. Ah,
3: so we're gonna be stuck in Memphis. Nah, so they, they won't go to Memphis back to back. I bet they go to Houston. Houston's fun. You can have a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, Houston's there.
4: great. The only that, the only that sucks about Houston is it's on a. Uh, it's on a Tuesday, oh. like right after Christmas. I think it's like the twenty sixth.
3: I had a good time in Houston. Saw a Wade Bowen concert.
4: Oh, I love Houston. Great town. Had a great time there a few years back. But I,
3: uh, asked, that's the one bowl in that tier that
4: state hasn't gone to. They've yeah. been to Music City. They've been to Belk. They've been to Liberty. Uh, they've been to, been to Vegas. Uh, the, the Gator Bowl. Yeah, but that's Vegas probably is going to end up not getting an SEC team.
2: Oh as much as I no, I disagree. That's the well, time. I, that I mean, right re- now no, that replaces the Duke's Mayo Bowl. It's it's an ultimate. Yeah, but I'm just saying year. there may
4: not there may not be enough teams. Well, you've currently got nine that are bowl eligible
2: right. in the SEC.
4: I mean, Vanderbilt's not going to make it. Somebody from the Missouri uh, Arkansas situation's not going to make it. Kentucky. What are they? Are Kentucky already got six? Mm. Or are they
2: five and four? No, they played 10 games. Everybody's played 10 games okay. at this point. Sorry. All right, well, then they're probably six and four My if I had to guess. Computer all of a sudden decided to go slow. All right, so Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, Kentucky, South Carolina, all with six wins in the East. In the West, okay. LSU, Alabama, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Let's those four. Let's see. So you got Arkansas yeah. sitting at five. Auburn has to win out. Probably not going to happen. Mhm. Texas A and M already out. out.
4: Yeah, Vanderbilt's not going to make it. No, oh, and Missouri's probably not going to make it. I said A and M's out.
0: Yeah. Uh, so A and
4: M, Vanderbilt. Win yeah, Missouri's not win- going to get in. Or maybe Arkansas doesn't get in. One of the Arkansas could easily lose to Ole Miss this weekend and then lose
2: to Missouri. That is altogether possible. Missouri this weekend has one of those throwaway games, right?
5: Yeah, they yeah, got New Mexico State, State this
2: weekend. So that would get the if five. Ole Miss beats Arkansas, Missouri Arkansas will be for bowl eligibility. Bowl eligibility, yeah. Whew. We'll be
4: back, Sports They were the top season. ten.
0: Let's go. Let's go. This is your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: All right, hey, dude. Mississippi State basketball off to a 3-0 start. They, um... Oh.
4: I did all this research in the break about the bowls. Okay, I was ready uh, to talk. Yeah. I'm sorry. We can do bowls. Go ahead. The, well, what I was going to say is, and I think I figured this out right. That if Ole Miss beats Arkansas and then Arkansas, I, I think I think if Ole Miss beats Arkansas, it's going to be tough for the SEC to to get all the bowl slots. They have eleven slots and they may only have ten teams. Vegas would get filled. Over what? Memphis. You, I mean, the SEC has such a long-standing relationship with the Liberty Bowl. You think they would they would back out on them like that? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Kinda. it's it would be much better for the team
2: involved, but I don't know. So, what are the SEC Bowl tie-ins? You got them right there, right? I mean, obviously, college football. Uh, yeah, play so.
4: See, and the thing you just said, you know, the SEC—if they get four into the uh, the Access Bowls and the playoff, then you got the Citrus—that's five—and then you have six more bowls in that next. year. Like Birmingham has no chance of getting an SEC team. Neither does the Gasparilla Bowl. I bet that's where I bet Gasparilla is where UConn ends up. Um, and then you have the the six bowls that are all in this the supposedly the same tier, but we know it's not real. Liberty, Texas, Quest, Las Vegas, Gator. Music City. So, I'm just trying so, to. Hey, Citrus, so neither Bowl, Citrus Bowl is probably. Citrus Bowl probably Ole Miss at this point, right? Yeah, most likely. Unless Ole Miss loses its last two, which I, I feel is unlikely. And then, I mean, Auburn's not getting in. AM's not getting in. Vanderbilt's not getting in. And I think somebody from Missouri, Arkansas is not getting in. That's four. So you've only got 10 teams for 11, uh, 11 spots.
2: Yeah. I mean, if Ole Miss, uh, let's say when the playoff rankings come out tonight, if Ole Miss is at 12, and then they beat Arkansas and beat Mississippi State to get to 10 and 2, and let's just say they climb up to eight. But no, no, no. They're not going to get ahead of Alabama. I understand that. No, I understand that. Let's say they're eight or nine, and mm-hmm. what if LSU is six, and they get boat-raced mm-hmm. by Georgia in the SEC championship game for their third I see where loss. you're going?
4: Well, then I mean, then I will miss again into the playoff, and then LSU goes down to the Citrus. It doesn't no, no change anything will get into as far playoff. as playoff.
2: Almost might get into I'm access playoff, the access bowls. Access Maybe. bowls. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. To me, to that 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 is the only team that I could see Ole Miss potentially jumping because it's a three-loss team at that. Point. In the SEC pecking order, and, but the problem and, with and what you're saying about Ole Miss up.
4: going, the problem with what you're saying of Ole Miss going up to eight is Tennessee and Alabama are still ahead of them. Probably going to win out. Right. I, I, that's a that's a big jump for Ole Miss, even winning out. How many teams in front of them are going to lose?
2: Clemson could lose again. Southern Cal could lose again. Oregon but then North, North Carolina would get again. ahead of them. Yeah,
4: the ACC champion is going to be ahead of a two. Yeah, so, so
2: what to to get? You kind of got to be top eleven, right?
4: That's to, about to right. Yeah.
2: So so if yeah. Ole Miss is twelve or thirteen tonight, mm-hmm. after they they're that Arkansas, range, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really think they're going to. But if a they're whole fourteen, 15, it's going to be tough.
6: Oh yeah, hundred percent.
2: I mean, the whole premise is Ole Miss only falls one or two spots, and I think right. they would only fall one or two spots for two reasons. One, based on what that game against Alabama looked like, and two, who are, are you really going to move in front of them? I mean, there's going to be a little bit of shuffling, mm-hmm. but I don't know that you're going to see a precipitous fall for them tonight. shouldn't be
4: precipitous, no. Well, what did they drop from 11 to 14 in the AP I mean, that feels about right. It just depends on if somebody wants to put, like, the team team I would point at is Washington. Having a good win on the road at Oregon like that could push them ahead. They were 25 last week, though. Well, they jumped nine nine spots in the AP poll. They could do it. Well,
2: that gets you to 16 if you go
4: nine spots. I'm just saying, this is the committee we're talking about. Are we just going to sit here and just be our minds go out of our, our ears if they have Washington 15 and Ole Miss 16 tonight? Yeah.
2: You know, I think the one to watch or, or the two to watch are, are Utah and Penn State. Right, Utah mm-hmm. won, but they've got two losses. Penn State's got two losses. They beat Maryland 30 to nothing. Does a 30 to nothing win at home over Maryland justify jumping? A two-loss, six-point home loss to Alabama? Uh, I don't know. Especially when you oh, yeah. had Ole Miss in front of them three spot. I, I don't know. We'll find so, out in a few hours. Yeah, and, and so I, I guess the, the point I'm making here is there's not a lot of intrigue in the poll reveal tonight because you're not going to see anything really change at the top. But if you're an Ole Miss fan, I think yeah. what you're watching is how far do the Rebels fall, and then if they can win their final two to get to ten wins... What happens with LSU if they end up with a third loss and they really get popped in the mouth by Georgia in the SEC championship game? Because I think that's the only path that Ole Miss has to an access bowl at this point. So we'll see. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. We'll talk to you tomorrow afternoon. Good night.